0: Welcome to episode number 25 of Tell Me Your Tales. I hope you're going well. Thanks for tuning in. What I do on this podcast is I have conversations with people who I find interesting or inspiring or wise or who are pretty successful in uh, what they do. And today's guest, John Dutton, is no exception. John is uh, an elite male marathon, half marathon runner in Australia and um, is one of the hardest workers that you'll ever hear from. He shares some tales about his training, managing that with a full-time job in a pretty demanding job on his feet most of the day and uh, juggling that with a young family as well and trying to bang out 200 kilometer weeks. I must admit that sometimes as distance runners and as individuals, we get ourselves in a bit of a headspace well at least i do that you think you're working super hard so it was refreshing and sometimes you can be a bit down in the dumps thinking you're working a lot harder and have got it a lot t- tougher than a lot of other people do but it was good and refreshing to hear just how hard johnny's training and um yeah he's working super hard and he's doing this for the gold coast marathon build up which will be in a couple of weeks so this episode's pretty timely. He shares with me some uh, massive sessions that he's been getting done. And yeah, just all about his running journey. So I really hope you enjoy it. Everything's going good at my end. I hope it's going good at your end. I'm off to the Launceston 10K this week. So looking forward to getting out there and having a race over 10K. And then um, I'll be up at the Gold Coast Marathon in a couple of weeks doing a bit of pacing as well. So everything's good with me running wise. As I said before, thanks for checking in and downloading this show. It's something I really appreciate. I hope your running's going well as well. And um, yeah, enjoy this chat with John Dutton. So believe the choices you made were right. Don't let whatever keep you awake at night. Someone new now But it was you who first showed me how Alright, John Dunton, welcome to Tell Me Your Tales podcast. Ah, oh, Thanks for having me. Cheers, mate. As I just said um, off air, it's really good to have a bit of a chat with you, especially when you're deep, nearly finished um, a marathon build-up.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's keeping me busy, that's for sure.
0: I'm sure we'll get into all those details a bit later on, but what I do at the start is I um, usually get the guests to introduce themselves. So did you want to maybe tell the listeners a bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, um, so John Dutton, I live in Belgrave, Victoria. Um, married, father of one, soon to be two, and I'd say I'm an unconventional runner, first couple of years of running was more recreational side of things and then thought I could be a track runner and prove not to be fast enough and then through marathon progression I've actually become faster on the track than I ever was as a track runner so that pretty much sums me up I think.
0: Yeah right, what distances did you start on the track?
1: Um, I thought I could make it as a 5k on the track but just didn't have the speed, I was I started pretty late, I wasn't a junior runner at all, I started in my late teens, early twenties, and yeah, I thought I could be an Olympic champion at 5k, but it wasn't to be.
0: Yeah, right, did you play any other sports when you were a kid?
1: Um, Yeah, I played football and cricket, not at a high level, but uh, recreationally again, um, until yeah, late teens, so probably started football at AFL, football at... Say I was about seven or eight when I started and played until I was seventeen, eighteen. And yeah. Had a ACL injury that I found out later on about ten years after but that sort of ended my football career.
0: Yeah, and what brought you towards
1: running? Um, I'd always wanted to get into it and it wasn't until I saw in the Herald Sun about run for the kids, it was the first run for the kids, and I thought I think I've got my entry into the running world. So I had about six months to train and I got to race day and I hadn't done any training still. And, yeah, just jumped in and loved it. So,
0: <laughs> That's pretty interesting, though, isn't it? Because you're one of the most dedicated trainers out there. You train at all hours of the morning and night. And um, it's interesting to hear that that wasn't something that was ingrained in you from the start.
1: No, and I also look back on my football and cricket days and think, if only I only had the dedication that I have now, um, two days a week used to feel like a chore going down and training for them, but but yeah, now I just get it done regardless of weather or time.
0: Oh, it's funny, isn't it? I've done some work with a footy club in town here and um, just trying to get across the amount of hours that people put into different sports and compared to a footy club that you might train Tuesday, Thursday and play on Saturday and you think you're training pretty hard, it's, um, yeah, it's all probably relative a bit, isn't it?
1: Oh, definitely, yeah. It's, um, yeah, I almost wish sometimes I could go back to those days and train twice a week.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be nice, wouldn't it, instead of twice a day.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So what happened after that run for the kids? Did you get a bit of the running bug?
1: I did. It, it hurt me so much, that run. It was, it was back in the days where it started out the front of the Docklands, the Eddie Hadd Stadium, as it is now, and it finished at the Royal Children's. And then I just didn't know how to get back because <laughs> it was point to point. There was no way back unless you waited for the bus. And because I finished, I think, it, about 65 minutes back then. I was about 2,000 out of 10,000 runners back then. And I thought, well, I'm not waiting for the bus. And I tried to walk back. And that was that was the hardest, longest walk of my life, I think. It was, yeah. but. The next day I woke up and I thought, I actually want to keep doing this. This was not as bad as what I thought it was.
0: And then was it um, like joining the cross-country sa- like season or like how did you then progress?
1: Well, I just, I didn't do a lot of training and I just basically went from fun run to fun run for two to three years. And I, um, I got to the point where I thought, well, I have a keep going how I'm doing and not improving or I'd. Look for an avenue to try to improve a bit more and that's when I ended up in the cobb system at sort of mid 2008 I started there. So I'd been yeah running nearly three years Yeah,
0: and then did you see an initial kind of improvement in results when you started that structured training and and all that racing?
1: yeah, and it was a real eye-opener because I was I was running 10k races in 43 44 minutes thinking these guys winning the races in thirty-five minutes—I'll never be that fast. It's that's amazing, and and then you turn up to club level, and there's guys even faster than that, and you just—it does spur you on a lot. So, yeah, I definitely got the bug when I started at club level. I think
0: it's a bit like that, isn't it? Like between fun runs and kind of like AV, kind of stately, kind of stuff. There's a, although you're all doing the same distances and similar courses, it's almost two separate worlds.
1: Oh, definitely, and. It was that reason, even for me, I I didn't think that I could run with the rest of these guys. So there's hesitation in joining the club system in the first place. So I can see why people are apprehensive to do so.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a um, comfort zone thing, especially when there's, olympians and commonwealth games reps and all those kind of people going around the courses as well it could be quite intimidating for fuel i reckon but you obviously made that jump all right and then um just continue to drop the times down
1: yeah so it's, there's been a correlation with every year i've increased the kilometers for the year and each year i've improved over multiple distances so i know it's going to reach a point where i can't keep Adding kilometres every year, but yeah, so far the progression's still going, which is quite amazing.
0: Could you remember what your training was like back in those early days?
1: Uh, I remember that my I used to write a lot of it down. My first year, I ran about three hundred k for the year. <laughs> so yeah, I think I averaged about five k a week, and yeah, it wasn't structured at all. It was just out the door, go for a run. If it was raining, I wouldn't run for four or five days or something it's just yeah very haphazard back then
0: yeah let's give the listeners a bit more context about your pbs now mate so do you maybe want to go through maybe from 3k through to the marathon and list your pbs
1: yeah um so for 3k i've run 838 uh 5k i've run 1449 10k i've run 3125 uh the half marathon I've run 80 uh, sorry 6805 the marathon 22534 and I've also run 25919
0: for 50k. Yeah, right. That was when you Did you do that at the World Champs or to get into the World Champs?
1: Uh, to get into the World Champs and that was just training for Berlin Marathon. I thought yeah. that'd be a, a great idea to keep me focused on heavy mileage because yeah. 50k was really daunting to me so
0: yeah we'll get into all that a bit later on did you want to maybe um touch on some significant wins uh sorry what was that some significant wins like results
1: uh yeah uh definitely winning the 50k at canberra to qualify for the world champs is, was huge at the time it's uh, i won by nearly 10 minutes and hit one of my targets time wise so i was wrapped and uh actually not so much a win but a second place down at gray ocean road uh in 2014 i got beaten by a kenyan down there and my time was one of the fastest times down there without winning it's quite incredible but i was just unlucky on the day that he turned up
0: (laughs) yeah you've won that as well though haven't you the 23 down there
1: yeah, I won that the year after. They um, they stopped inviting the Africans down, which suited me fine.
0: Yeah, I think it suits every distance runner in Australia quite well. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about what about down at Hobart the Cadbury Half Marathon? Did you place that day when you ran? Yeah, team? I
1: um, I ran a PB that day as well. I finished second to Dave Thomas yeah. from Aussie, who's uh, as you know hard to beat down there he in most is, yeah. distances. Yeah, and um. Yeah, I was really surprised. So, and that was all for training for the fifty kilometre race. I, I PB'd over three k, five k, and the half just in the training I was doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, good signs, good signs. Um, what about some more context for the listeners, mate? So, job, coach, training mileage. Do you train in a group? Do you want to maybe unpack a bit of that?
1: Yeah, no worries. Um, so last weekend I ran with. Uh, Lisa Waitman and Lachlan MacArthur, which was the first time I've ran with anyone for the about 17 weeks which is it's been a lonely road for this marathon uh, I'm coached by Mona at the moment and yeah I, I'm a full time plasterer by trade which keeps me on my feet way too many hours and I'd like um, so yeah early starts and and, yeah, late runs at night, so. How early yeah. well are
0: you talking? What time are you clocking on every day?
1: Uh, I start work at 7. Um, so I typically start training at about 5 a.m. to get it all in.
0: Yeah. Talk me through that. What's that like every, like, that'd be every morning you'd be up at 4-ish to be out the door at 5-ish? Yeah,
1: so so most, most mornings, yeah, it's um, 4 o'clock I wake up and, yeah, I've got to be done by 5, but. There's a lot of work behind the scenes for this. Is I was I knew the current program I'm doing. I was going to be doing about six to eight weeks before I started. So it started off with just getting up at four. So there was no run. It was just getting up at four and just setting the routine and getting it drilled in that you know this is going to happen if I like it or not. And it, it did get easier and I can run. Sub four-minute k's at five o'clock in the morning because it's you know it's three four months in practice now so it's um it's it's not always pleasant when it's foggy and raining and and the like but yeah it, it could have been a lot harder.
0: So you were getting up at four just to prepare the body and not going for a run. So what were you what were you doing at four a.m. in the morning?
1: Not a lot. Yeah, <laughs> imagine not much happens yeah, not, at four a.m. No, nah, nothing happens at four a.m. Um, yeah, I might do some stretching or. You know, I'd just get up and have breakfast and just wait around until it's time to go to work. But, but yeah, and then it just started with little runs and then the program started mid-March and um, yeah, got into it from there.
0: Was that something that you were Mona discussed leading into that program or did you just kind of come up with that yourself?
1: I just took it on myself and it wasn't until the day before the program was going to start that i i went to mona and said all right this is what i want to do which is often the case and he's like yep yep i'm categorically on board and and yeah he won me over like that so he's like well if he's on board then i'm definitely on board too so yeah let's go for it
0: yeah good 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 um Obviously, you've got to be pretty mental, mentally strong for that, though. I know my midweek long run, I try to bang out like 5 till 6.30 in the morning on a Wednesday. But other than that, I'm kind of a 6 a.m. guy. And I often, are, you know, a bit of negative self-talk and you feel sorry for yourself. And how do you cope with all that stuff?
1: Yeah, well, it's not easy. I've, I've been lucky that as the program's progressed, so's the day, so... First week or two was I was running about ten kilometers in the morning, and then it only gradually stepped up a couple of kilometers per week. So I've been able to just roll with it the whole way through. Whereas if it was just banging out, I'm up to say 14, 14 miles at the moment. So it's twenty two and a half k in the mornings. If I started at that, I, I don't think I would survive this program. So it's yeah. yeah. So
0: that that progression, I guess, is the point you're trying to make that. You know, it wasn't zero to 100 straight up. You kind of bit it off slowly and just built on it, and now it hasn't become such a big deal.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and the way I looked at it, I, I finally felt I was ready to do this sort of program. I could, the, the program i am the guy is an American guy, Lou Humphrey. he's run a 2.14 off this marathon, and he run for the Hanson Brooks uh, Distance Project over in America. Yep. And... And some of the way it was, I looked at it and it was, you know, eight weeks straight of averaging 210K a week. And I'm like, this is way more than I've ever done. And, but leading up to it, I was, I was running more than I ever was. So I'd average more this year than I have for any marathon block. So I knew I was ready to do something crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, what time are you going to bed if you're getting up at four every morning?
1: Make sure I'm in bed by nine. So yeah, I'll at least get seven hours but some days it, it doesn't work and yeah, by the end of the week I'm I'm getting worn down and I've been sick a couple of times which hasn't hasn't helped things but yeah, a, a touch wood I've only missed a couple of days for the whole year, so I'm I'm somehow managing the whole load this yeah. time
0: And what about energy levels throughout the day? Like are you walking around like a zombie at work or are you coping a right?
1: Well, uh, and that's another thing because – Looking at the program, I'm like, yeah, I'm, the longer runs out of the two are going to be before work, and that's going to suit, because like, like I said earlier, that my wife's pregnant and going to be have another baby running around and all that, so it's it's the only way I could have done it, so I'm like, get the long run out of the way, and then I just dawdle through work, really, so it's it's a mental shift as well, you you said about mental strength, and instead of working all day and then going all right now I've got to smash out a hard session or something I've just done it the other way around and it's so much easier mentally um it's almost refreshing to be honest so
0: it is good isn't it when you bang that morning one out and you've got the just don't have that pressure on you throughout the day to be thinking about the session and kind of taking up that mental I don't know that mental space and that probably wasting a bit of stress on thinking about it too much
1: Oh, definitely, and, and then I'm home early as well, so it just it suits everybody. Everybody's yeah. happy.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's good, isn't it? A bit um untraditional, but if you've got to make it work for your own um, lifestyle, it makes a whole lot of sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Hey, you touched on um, that program there, so with Mono coaching you, have you kind of went to him and said, I've seen this program, can we unpack it together and work on something similar, or how has that worked?
1: Yeah, so typically he's what I describe – He's what I'd. Sorry, I'm what he describes as a low maintenance runner. So I am. Um, I'm not always ringing him and saying, oh, "I need your help" and all this. I I take the program to him and go, "What do you think?" He comes back with his ideas and we sort of meet in the middle. And and this one he was excited about because it, it was just a marathon program. There's I've done a couple of races for the year, but there was essentially no lead-up races. It was just 15 weeks of hard work and Yeah, he was as excited about it as what I was. So it was yeah, fantastic
0: How has that differed in the past from working with Mono with a um, marathon build-up?
1: Uh, has it hasn't changed a lot um, He's more of a sounding board with for ideas and and things like that. So typically he takes over the last month. Yeah, so even if the program's set in stone, he'll go, all right, we've got to change this year. Energy levels have dropped a little. We'll do this. We'll do that. And he'll take over that part. But if there's not a problem, he doesn't want to hear from me, essentially. So it, it's a good relationship like that. I'll, I'll pitch ideas. And, yeah, so it hasn't changed a lot. It's just this program's raising the bar a bit.
0: Yeah, right. And how did you come across this program?
1: Um, it was – Lockwell Macarthur um, come to me with and said, "There's no way we should do this because this guy's training is ridiculous and we're not <laughs> at that." Point. And then started thinking about it a bit more and like, you know what? It's just, I'm I'm running the same time all the time and I've actually got my body right after a tough twelve months of injuries and the like. And I thought, you know, I have got nothing to lose, so let's go for it. So
0: yeah. So let's go back to that. You just mentioned you've ran the same time. Were you referring to in your marathons with BeeWare and um, Auckland, pretty similar times?
1: Yeah, and I always like Auckland was a great race. It's a it's a hilly first half, and I actually for the only time I negative split that day, and and I thought I was just going to keep doing that, but late BeeWare I was injured about four weeks before. I fell down the stairs at home and. So, preparation went from zero to 200K in three weeks. And I thought I, I'll be good for 36K, which I was. And then it just fell apart. And it seems like every marathon prep, I just, something happens and I, I can't get to the start line. So it's, it's like, well, I'm in shape to run faster. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But um, yeah, if I keep doing the same thing to try and get a different result, it's just not going to work. Yeah,
0: right, let's go back to that marathon journey. So, debuted up at the Gold Coast in
1: 2012, yeah, 2.32? Uh, yeah, that's that's what I like uh, people to think. I, I actually ran the Melbourne Marathon in 2008, um, and I, I ran in three hours 38 on debut.
0: Yeah, that stuff's not coming up on Google, so that's a good sign for you. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's good. It's, um. So, yeah, I started with that, and it took me four years to actually go back to the marathon. I was petrified of it.
0: Obviously not prepared that day, or what was the story?
1: Um, Underprepared and overconfident. So I was aiming for just under three hours, and I thought, oh, these people blow up and run five-minute k's at the end, and I can go faster than that. It was – I remember 40k to the finish took me 24 minutes. (laughs) So – and that included fully cramping up and falling against the fence. So, yeah, you know, I've done it all. I really have.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's good. So then, well, let's go to the, maybe the official debut when you actually were quite a um, bit more prepared marathon runner up at the Gold Coast. Talk me through that experience.
1: Um, yeah, well, it was actually a couple months earlier than that. Again, that I actually I ran Canberra, um, yeah, Canberra Marathon in 2012. So, three months before Gold Coast, and and I was training down in Ballarat, and the first time I met Mona, um, he asked me what my goal was, I said, oh, 225, and he said, how fast should you run? I said, 338, and the look on his face was like, this guy's kidding himself, and mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it didn't work out on, on race day. I, I think I cooked myself training down in Ballarat, which is easy to do with the guys you're training with down there, and... I ran 2.38 that day, but I I left there knowing that I could run faster. And, yeah, then I went up to the Gold Coast um, trying to execute the same plan. So, so yeah, that was actually my third marathon at that stage.
0: Yeah, right. Um, When you were down in Ballarat, was that just a bit of a – went down there for work and training and stuff? Like, how did that come about, that training block down there?
1: Yeah, so my coach at the time – Keith Fernley, who who um, trained uh, Luke Matthews and Jack Rayner. Well, they were training partners of mine back then. Um, he, he thought, well, it's if you want to, just go away and concentrate on this. And I thought, well, I might just go to Ballarat. I like the area. And I spent about five weeks down there on and off, just staying in caravan parks and, and things like that. And, yeah, just focused 100% on being a professional athlete sort of, you know. And, yeah, it, it didn't come to bear fruit in the end because, um, yeah, just cooked myself, training with Nate Hardigan and Shane Curvis and all that, trying to keep up with in the reps and just completely cooked myself.
0: Yeah, pretty good quality be around those guys. But it um, yeah, shows a bit mo- about your dedication, though, to move down there and spend time in caravan parks just to get the most out of yourself.
1: Yeah, and, and Mona said, like, he didn't want to tell me to my face, but um, – if I pulled it off, what I was doing, everyone would have been scared because I would have broken the world record. You reckon? So, it was, um, <laughs> I was I was overreaching like past anything that I'd ever done before. It was it was quite idiotic at times.
0: <laughs> yeah, talk to <laughs> me about that Gold Coast. Um, was it hot up there when you raced it that first time in two thousand
1: twelve? Yeah, it was. It was quite a shock. It's and I say this to everyone. It's um. It's quite a. It doesn't have to be too warm up there for you to to feel the effect. I saw people coming in at three hours that were completely shot, and it was only 18 degrees. It, and it happens every year. It's, we come from cold winter here, and you go up there, cloudless sky, and that's it. It's it just finishes people off. It's we. I think we should train a bit, a bit more focused on the warm conditions for it.
0: Yeah. But you're going back this year and um, you yep. know that and you've just kind of mentioned it and you're training at 4am in the morning. So you're a bit worried about that um, kind of difference in the heat?
1: It's funny. I got to ask that. And until the last couple of weeks, I've been training in a singlet in the mornings, even though it's been raining or foggy, I've just gone, you know what, I'm I'm not going to do heat acclimatation or anything like that. And there is no weather I just put it in my head that there was no weather at all and just got out there and ran and I'm going to approach race day like that as well. So Plus I've done a world champs over in um, Doha, which was much warmer than Gold Coast. So
0: yeah, yeah yeah. good answer um let's go back to the second marathon you touched on it a bit well the second fast marathon i'm calling it now um auckland so you touched on it before about that negative split what was it where did that get you overall when you ran 225 there
1: uh i finished fourth so it's probably my best result i've had and the, the best day marathon wise that i've just constantly tried to replicate and just for like i said one reason or another just fallen short in training and yeah i was nearly running down uh, rowan walker at the end which would have been a nice feather in the cap
0: yeah good and did you enjoy that experience over in auckland i've been to Christchurch a couple of times for the half and it's um always been a super positive experience and great people over there
1: oh yeah loved it and it's the scenery over there is amazing we were running down the freeway and i'm just catch myself looking around thinking this place is amazing you can see rainforests at the freeway it's just you don't get that here
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and um, they've got something at Auckland too is it do you get a bonus or a cash payment or something if you're the first to the top of the bridge which is halfway through the marathon or something like that
1: yeah um, I vaguely remember it um, I wasn't first because the New Zealand guy won and he was gone at the start he, so we we all ran sort of third to eighth was a 2.23 to 2.27, 2.28, and this guy ran 2.19. He was gone. Um, so if there was a prize, he definitely got it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it encourages people to have a crack a bit early on in the race anyway, if it's a bit of a catch yeah, bonus there.
1: It was about 15 kilometres in, and I, I remember the group I was in was just – there's a lot of hangers on that you look at them, and they were really struggling at that point. You think they don't really – deserve to be here honestly and and um yeah i took off up the bridge and i thought i've got to make this group smaller and there's about 10 of us and there's only about three left at the top which suited fine Sorted
0: a few of them out um yeah so was that race the race that got you the qualified to enter lake by over in japan
1: um i actually i qualified by running a sub 70 half uh yeah so yeah i I got the sub-70 half, but um, I was meant to go to Biwa before all that, uh, 2013, but I ended up with glandular fever at the end of 2012, and pretty much missed six months of training, so even five weeks before, I'm thinking, I can still get to Biwa, and it, yeah, it just didn't happen.
0: Yeah, right, so um, kind of deferred that entry to the year after.
1: Yeah, yeah, and... And thought right I've done awkward now I'm gonna get stuck in the train and yeah about six weeks later fell down the stairs and hurt my medial ligament and meniscus and all that stuff and yeah did no training for about a month.
0: Man that's unlucky isn't it like it's you know marathon preparations are hard as it is without falling downstairs.
1: Exactly and once you book flights and things like that you, you're compelled to go and so yeah, over three weeks I went from zero to fifty kilometres to one hundred and ten to two hundred and ten, and then tapered, and and ran a twenty-second PB I think. But I was I went through thirty k on two twenty pace, so I was way up. <laughs> and, yeah, <laughs> lost it all.
0: <laughs> um, talk me through the kind of race over in Japan. Pretty big deal that
1: marathon. Greatest running experience I've ever had. It's quite absurd they look after you so well which I I know uh, Josh Harris mentioned on your podcast as well it's just it's quite amazing and the field I finished 86 that day and ran 225 and as coming out of the stadium at the start I was in the fourth or fifth pack and we're running under 320 a (laughs) k pace. you just don't you go from Auckland where I finished fourth to that and you're not even in the picture it's, but um yeah what fascinated me was the um the strict road closures that they have because obviously making up for lost time I thought oh, I gotta gotta get fit in a hurry and I was basing my training on these road closures so the fitter I got I thought okay I can get to 15k I can get to 20k and yeah built up like that over a couple of weeks
0: so you mean if you don't get to 10 or 15 or 20K in their closure time, you're off the course?
1: Yeah, and it's it's amazing. Through five kilometres, there was only a 90-second window to make it through, and then the traffic just flows behind you, and the roads are open. And it's as simple as that, and they get easier as you go. But typical Japanese-style um and usually a championship qualifying race as well. I think it was the world champs that year. There's a lot of guys that just went out so hard to try and make three spots and they weren't capable. And I'm passing guys walking at 30K and I'm like, what are they doing? This is one of the best races in the world and they've completely blown themselves apart. And, yeah, it was a real eye-opener.
0: Yeah, and was crowd support good there?
1: Yeah, we were told before the race. I had a, a American guy who was doing the press for the race. He's going when you finish, uh, don't touch your watch because your time doesn't mean anything, and it's about the race. And there's fifty million people watching at home, and it's like, yeah, it, was, it spun me out. I couldn't believe it. And on course, they everyone got a like a form guide, so everyone knew who was in the field and there were so many Australian flags flying because the Japanese found someone that wasn't Japanese to support and they just latched onto it.
0: And that was for you? Were you the only Australian there that year?
1: No, there was. I think there was five or six of us that year and, yeah, it, it felt like a little bit of home. All these Australian flags was great.
0: <laughs> yeah, more Australian flags than what you would have experienced at a Marathon probably.
1: Exactly, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So 225 there off a pretty... um Limited preparation still would have given you a lot of confidence knowing that you've ran a time like that when the preparation didn't go well.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I thought, well, I'll go home and get myself right, and then the next one's going to be faster, surely. So then you because at, at that stage I'd still gone faster every marathon I'd run. Yeah. So you always you know sky's the limit and and think the next one's going to be big.
0: And is that when you're uh, signed in for Berlin?
1: That's when I signed in for Berlin. Um, so, yeah, so that was March 2014, and I'm not sure. Oh, I, no, I, I did Gold Coast that year as well because that was a national championship.
0: Okay, so yeah. So I thought,
1: well, I'll, um, I'll get my body sorted, and I'll get training sorted, and it's a fast course, and, yeah, everyone's going to click, and I just overthought the race, really. It was national championship, and Troopy was there, and I thought, all right, I'm just going to run off him. Um and just gonna he's gonna run under two twenty and I'll keep an eye on him all race and in the end it just fizzled out and I struggled home and yeah, mentally i it got the better of me that day.
0: Yeah, what'd you finish up in?
1: Uh two was it two twenty six? So but I went through thirty K twenty seconds behind late Bward time and I remember throwing in the tower. I was it's so, like, oh, I'm, I'm slower, I'm not going to run a PB, whereas if I just kept going at that pace, I would have run a PB by two, three minutes. Mm. It was, it's just funny sometimes the headspace that you get yourself in.
0: Yeah, yeah, and your preparation was good going into that because that's a pretty um short turnaround from BYU in March to Gold Coast the start of July.
1: Yeah, the the preparation was was nearly as good as Auckland. And, yeah, like I said, I just overthought it, too many things going on. I think I was preparing for our wedding as well. So it's yeah things things were quick in physically, but yeah, mentally I was probably probably overcooked.
0: Yeah, sometimes but, that can get you too, can't it? Like your life work balance and how much that interferes on your running mentality when you're in a race and you're kind of a bit stressed or a bit busy in the head and yeah, I know I've been in that same uh, same boat before.
1: Yeah, and I just remember the days before waiting for a bus and the bus was 30 seconds late and I was just sort of getting irritated and and things like that. And I'm like, something's not right. I'm I'm too anxious about this race. And, yeah, I I sat down the day before and worked out splits and all these things that weren't necessary, essentially.
0: Yeah, so um, that would have been two marathons in 2004. 14 Then did you do one at the start of 2015 or just berlin in september
1: ah uh, yeah Jesus, that, that takes me back now <laughs> um what did i do no i would have yeah berlin was the go so i sat down in sort of late september um i was coming back from honeymoon actually i was at the airport and bought a pad and pen and sat down and thought right i'm gonna work out what's next and it was about twelve months to Berlin, and I thought, well, what can I put in the middle that's going to give me a nice boost of um, endurance? And I thought, well, why don't I just try a fifty-kilometer race about six months out, and and um, recover from that, and then take that fitness into Berlin? And yeah, that was the plan.
0: And that worked pretty well. Like that was a pretty impressive time in the fifty-k Canberra.
1: Yeah, it was. I was so focused on it. Um, that I it's the best preparation I've I've had and I look back and think well I could have gone to Japan and ran 220 that day I think as I went through the split at the marathon in 228 and it was a hilly undulating course the whole way that was just unrelenting and I thought well yeah this is the fittest I've ever been and yeah it was Five six months of uninterrupted training and, and best block I've done so far.
0: Yeah, and then um held on for another eight k as well. What was that like in the head, kind of going through the marathon split, knowing you still kind of had half an hour to go?
1: Yeah, it was. Um, I I did actually train for it. So the longest run I'd done was a, a three hour progression where I, I ran over forty six k in that time and ran the last half an hour in sub three thirty per k. So and I'd prepared for it and I was ready for it and and yeah, i I had a nice lead so the last couple of K I just cruised it in and knew sub three hours was safe, which I think only six Australians have ever done. So that was that was the goal. Like that was like the number C goal, I think, is um I wanted to break the Australian record that day and yeah, the course was a bit hilly for it in the end
0: yeah and is that the only place where they do a 50k
1: um they're around but they they made that the world championship selection trial and that to change some things because it used to be you'd finish the marathon and you'd go all right i I feel like i can keep going and then you just go and you run the rest on a bike path but that to change it all and make it all on road so it it appealed for that sense i thought well Worst comes to worst, I qualify for a world championships if I run well. So it was always in the back of my mind as well.
0: Yeah. And what was the turnaround turn to the world champs?
1: Um, it was that December.
0: Okay, so yeah.
1: I had, a what, another six months or so before then. But it was going to be 10 weeks after Berlin. So Berlin being the goal, was, I was always focused on Berlin and then I'd get through that and then use that training for Berlin uh, into the World Champ. So I wasn't really going to build up again. I was just going to try and get back into it and um, maintain, if anything.
0: Yeah, and um, your experience at Berlin, I think mine and your experience at the Berlin Marathon is quite different. Do you want to maybe talk about yours?
1: Uh, Yeah, um, training went really well. I was... I was fitter than I had been and so each block I was starting to build on and I got to about seven weeks out and I injured my Achilles it was just a bit tight one night and I thought well I don't get injured I can run through this and all those things that we tell ourselves and and in the end it was it wasn't good and uh, I flew into Berlin a week before the race and just spent the whole week trying to loosen the Achilles up and make it pain free and it it just wasn't and yeah it wasn't a great day
0: (laughs) what was the headspace like you're like you're on the other side of the world um by yourself I can imagine
1: yeah Yeah. and um my son at that stage is only eight weeks old too so I had to leave everyone behind and and do this and and Mona said to me after the race he's like I just didn't want to tell you 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 got to be in a good headspace on the start line and I knew I wasn't but no one wanted to tell me <laughs> that i was probably set for a, a, not a good day and the time itself is I, I ran 233 but most people jump at that but it's how you run it sometimes it makes a difference and i just yeah it fell to pieces about 22k in i think so it was yeah it was a nasty run home
0: yeah and how'd you find the whole um, marathon event over there
1: um the race itself I I don't remember too much of the race itself I think I've I've blocked it out I just it's meant to be the fastest course in the world and it probably is but I just that last 10 to 15 even 20k was it was so so bad and twinging everywhere and yeah injured muscles and just it was like I hadn't done any training at all but I, I do remember the crowds and Every little reaction from a a cramp or anything, and you hear the oos and ahs in the crowd and the cheering, and was a great. It was almost equal, if not better, to than Lake Biwa for the crowd. And but yeah, the the race itself. I'd, I'd love to go back fully fit and ready to to race on race day, just to enjoy it. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was the same. Like that crowd was just. I think when you're running well as well, you can you can run well anywhere, so it probably dedicates yeah. your kind of headspace a bit there to how, like I could have yeah had a shocker as well and probably hated the crowd, but because I was yeah. kind of running at a nice click, it kind of felt, felt like they were cheering for me, but they probably cheer that loud for the 30,000 people that run past there.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's one thing that I really got a kick out of at the start line turned around, and I couldn't even see the back of the field. I think there was 38,000 starters, and it was just mind blowing. And I, I think most of them finished as well. So yeah, it's just coming under the Brandenburg gate with a couple hundred metres to go and barely even moving forward and people pushing past you to finish. And you think, I don't usually run at this pace. I, I don't know what to think about it, and pretty much broke down after the race. So it's. So, yeah, I I need to go back to rewrite some history and have a positive, end on a positive note there.
0: Yeah, and that was year Kip Cho, he had those issues with the shoe, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, and he still ran 204.
0: Yeah, amazing,
1: and my shoes were fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: why couldn't you run 204 four? We're fine shoes? Exactly, um, exactly. Did you get a sub-elite start there? Because there was a couple of other – was Vlad there that year and um, Westcott and someone yeah. else, Shelley?
1: And, yeah, Yeah, Michael Shelley, um, he ran 211, 212, and Vlad had an amazing run, 218, and Scott ran – what did he run, 215 and broke the over-40s record? And yeah, yeah,
0: that's right. There's
1: a few others, like – um, Mark Kerwin, he was. Yeah, he ran 219, Ireland. didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he ran 219 and just finished ahead or behind the lead female. And yeah, there's a lot of guys. I think it was because it was leading into the Olympics, all of a sudden the field was boosted by 20, 30%. Like where you'd finished the year before, you were way back. Mm. And so it, it made it such a strong, pointy end of the field. And um, yeah, the Aussies had a good day overall.
0: That was probably the decision why I decided to run it the year after. I remember sitting at home and just tracking everyone's splits and, like, yeah, yeah. some of those guys just had a blinder, and I'm like, ah, oh, these guys all smashed it. This is the place to go to run fast.
1: But it was weird because I applied for the Sub Elite and didn't get it, so I didn't take my own bottles over there for drink stations. And, and then the day before, we had our meeting and had all these labels in my bag, and they decided to change their mind and give everyone their own drink like the sub elites their own drinks which two days earlier was not the case and I'm like well I don't know what to do and in the end I didn't go in with a plan that I had for every other marathon like at elite sort of level and yeah that played on my mind a bit too I think.
0: Yeah, your experience was the complete opposite of mine. I was told I was going to be sub-elite, and then um, yep. the week of the race I was told I wasn't sub-elite anymore. So I was like, had the dream bottles ready, had everything ready to go. But um, yeah, no, nah, 226 at the time wasn't good enough for me, but I'm hoping when I go back this year that um, I get a spot.
1: Oh, surely. Yeah, <laughs> surely. I should be right.
0: I should be right this year. Mind you, what? I think Kipchoge is running again, so he'll probably run 201 or something, and uh, yeah, be 20 minutes in front of me.
1: Well, you did run your PB there, so that's got to help you a bit.
0: It's got to count for something coming back all the way from Australia. Hopefully, they like me.
1: But um, but saying that, they they didn't even invite Mono back. It was twenty five years after he won the thing, and they didn't even invite him back. So yeah, so is is he
0: going this year though? Like, has he got a trip training group or something going over?
1: Um, I know he's yeah, he's going. I'm I'm pretty sure there is a training group going on. Um. He is running as well. Yeah.
0: yeah there's if about a million to, Australians going over.
1: Plant. Sorry.
0: There's about a million Australians going over there this year, I think. It's about um there's about 10 of us probably in between. I think Liam's running and he's pretty quick, so um but then there's a whole heap of kind of 218, 220, 224 kind of guys, so um should yeah. be good.
1: And um yeah, it's definitely the place to be.
0: Yeah, whereas I actually liked last year not knowing who you were racing, it kind of took all that mental energy about, oh, I know this person, I know what their PBs are, and kind of making a judgment in your mind, whereas yeah. um, this year I'm going to probably run in a massive group of Australians.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's funny though, I remember thinking exactly the same, so like I just got to get in a group, my plan was latch on the lead women, because they'll run about 220 and that was the only goal i had and there was never because having that experience where i eyed off troopy for most of gold coast that year and and that didn't work i thought i just got to run my own race and run with whoever it didn't matter
0: hmm. that's uh that's how let's uh focus on the gold coast in a couple of weeks now mate how's that sound
1: yeah good Yeah. so
0: this build up we've kind of it's been interesting a bit of a trend there in all your other marathon build-ups that things have gone wrong so um I'm tapping on my desk now, touching wood that after this interview things don't go well because from what I've heard, things are going pretty well.
1: Things are going, yeah, quite well. So it'd be my best marathon prep to date and that's including even the 50K where I I rank as, yeah, the, the top for training that I've done. So, yeah, really can't complain this time
0: around. 200K weeks, is that right?
1: Yeah, so it's... I was meant to do some more but after Ocean Road the only lead up race I did I got food poisoning that day and was pretty crook that night so that even that easy week become an even easier week that week I think it was about 120 130k but yeah apart from that it's in 12 weeks I've done four over 200k weeks and about eight over 175
0: yeah can you share any um, massive sessions with us? I always like hearing people's like really big kind of marathon-based sessions, it's a bit of crazy stuff.
1: Yeah, it's um, the majority of the program, it, it just keeps hitting you every day. So so my easy days are at the moment, so it's 14 mile in the morning and six mile at night. So it's yeah 20 mile days on the easy days and they just keep coming relentlessly. There's four or five of them a week and but yeah, session-wise, it's I did five by two mile with um, with eight hundred meters easy between. So that was about thirty k with warm up, cool down, and and um, on Saturday I did a, it was pretty much a race rehearsal over twenty six point two k. So that was full race kit, drink stations, everything, and that was pretty full on.
0: Yeah, let's go back to that first one. 5 by 3.2k with 800 metres float or jog? How are you recovering?
1: Um, I was running about 4 minute a k pace. Yeah, yeah. so um, floating. Yeah, pretty much. I, I don't like to to go too slow. I like to just get it done because, yeah, it's a two-hour session, really. Yeah,
0: and um, what kind of pace were you hitting those two milers in?
1: So with this program, I've, I've converted it all at, at – the guy who did it, all his paces were written down. So I've just tried to match him, unless it's meant to be done at marathon pace. So so that particular session was marathon pace and I was hitting sort of between the reps were sort of three fourteens to three eighteens in the end. So I was actually ahead of the pace, which I've been for pretty much every day. So it's yeah, touch wood.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, so what was it? Five by two mile, was that correct?
1: Yeah, pretty much, yeah, 3.2K, yeah. I roughly converted it.
0: And how'd you get 30K out of that? Wouldn't that be like 4K per rep? And so that five? was,
1: yeah, plus warm-up and cool-down. Ah, okay, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, yeah. Yeah.
0: And did you just do those rolling straight in or stop and change shoes and have a stretch and all that kind of stuff?
1: Just sort of dynamic stuff at the start and then after the warm-up and then, yeah, jump straight in.
0: Yeah, yeah, cool. And what was that second one, the rehearsal of the marathon? 26.62k. Yeah, so,
1: yeah, so for every mile, it, you do a k. So, yeah, 26.2k. At
0: marathon pace?
1: Yeah, at goal marathon pace. And that was a little quick too. That was really quick, actually.
0: Yeah. Can you share what times you were hitting there?
1: <laughs> um, I ended up running just under uh, 85 minutes for the whole thing. So it was 3.13s, I think, 3.14s. hands
0: yeah, good stuff. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, And really drinks and stuff
0: up. sat well. Everything was good?
1: Yeah, everyone's r- really good. So I just had a, a loop course, which was just over 4K and little undulating hill in there. And, yeah, just kept coming around and got the job done. Josh Harris
0: kind of stuff on the loop course.
1: Yeah, it was a, a little longer than Josh's uni yeah. loop, though. <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know how he does that over and over. But anyway, it seems to do it well. <laughs> um so i guess anything else so there were two pretty big sessions anything else you've done
1: yeah i did three by uh three mile a couple weeks ago as well um yeah i've done that twice in the last couple weeks so that was a pretty big day as well yep and and um some of the long runs have been more like sessions than actual long runs it's each week i'm like i don't know if i can do this and each week's actually built me up enough to handle the next week so i've just been progressing and i um had a 20 mile that was meant to be run at 328 a k pace and ended up running close to 320 a k and that was just a long run off a 200 k a week so i was yeah blew me away
0: yeah so you're doing that in like racing flats and stuff or you're just doing that in your heavy joggers
1: no that was in racing well Sort of in between, not not the lightest racing flats, but yeah, it was essentially racing flats.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that's some pretty uh, decent sessions in there. And then what about Great Ocean Great Ocean Road? You ran that marathon, but you kind of did it as a pretty decent uh, training session. Do you want to share that with the listeners?
1: Yeah, I um, in the program, I was meant to do a hard thirty-four k on the Friday before, and I just I'd always. Wanted to do Groshen Road and I, I convinced Mona to let me swap days around and make it 10k longer. Being Groshen Road's 44 and a half, it ended up being kilometers. And so the plan was uh, 10k at four minute a k pace and then uh, 34k at 325 to 327s. And I actually, yeah, I executed it pretty much to plan, except I was 30 seconds up through 10k.
0: Yeah, right. That's, um. You would have went through a few people, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, it was, uh, at 10K I was sitting 5th and then I ended up finishing 2nd.
0: Okay, yeah. I thought you might have been a bit further down than 5th, but um, that would have been good, running past a few fellas and pulling them in.
1: Yeah, because they were going at a steady pace and I, I've dropped from, I think, the 10th K was... 350 and the 11K was 308. So I really shifted gears. So it's it's strange passing people that quickly.
0: Yeah, 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 it would have been. Um, You've got to be super confident with those sessions, though, going into the Gold Coast. Have you got to aim time or are you are just thinking of racing it or what's the uh, plan going into the race?
1: Yeah, well, at the start of the program, Mona was saying, well, shit, this is tough. If, if you execute this, you might just run 214. But <laughs> that was... That was never never an option but having a pb of 225 you you wouldn't think a 220 is possible but it's definitely looking more ballpark than than what it was so but yeah at the end of the day if i run a pb it'll it's over three years old now so i'll take that
0: yeah um anyone else racing that you know is going to be around the same mark like i know they fly the the kenyans and the japanese and the ethiopians in that have pbs of 210 but gold coast can often be a bit lonely between kind of 220 and 240
1: yeah and and that's probably one thing um that's worked in my favor a bit because because my program my job and family life i'm i have to train on my own most days so it's i'm readying myself for a lonely day out there but Hopefully being a no-share, Arnie, champs as well, that a few of the New Zealand guys come over and we get some 220, 219 guys from Australia as well and a nice group forms so it would be quite handy.
0: Yeah. You haven't heard of anyone yet?
1: No, not that I know of. I've, I've tried to keep it pretty quiet. I, I went off Strava a couple of weeks ago just to – not so much because everyone was seeing what you're doing. That doesn't bother me, but just – felt i needed to concentrate on these last few weeks so yeah i really have no idea who's running
0: yeah that's probably a good thing worry about what you can control and think about that
1: yeah i've, I've made too many mistakes in the past worrying about other things and weather and all that and yeah i'm i'm old and old and wise now yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a marathoner hey,
0: um so you're thinking about like going out and hitting a split through halfway or you're just gonna see how the body feels in the day and push on
1: yeah so i want to hit um 6930 through halfway if I can, um, which after the simulator run on on the weekend, it, it seems quite realistic. So, but um, if that doesn't go to plan, then you know that's how it is. So,
0: yeah, right. Another thing I like to ask people, John, is about their um, recovery. If you kind of obviously you're banging out 200k weeks and doing these hard sessions, what are you doing to recover?
1: Um, I've stepped it up recently i i was um a, a bit lax in the past with massages and things like that it's, it's more of a time factor i don't really afford the time as much as i could or can for, for looking after my body but uh, fortnightly now to weekly i'm getting massage and i see steve Denine, uh, osteopath as well so keeps me all in a line so with my job my Tend to go through phases where every six or twelve months my back's shot and shoulders are gone and things like that. So it just keeps me out there running and banging out the mileage.
0: Yeah, and have you noticed? Obviously, if you've been uh, able to stand up to this program, that's gotta helped a bit.
1: Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, and every time that I feel a bit flat, I'm like, well, I must be due for a massage. And it always seems to be time for the massage. So I get the little a word on my phone saying massage in a couple of days or something and yeah that i go again but i had one booked um mother's day fell in the middle of sort of when i needed one so i had to go a whole month without a massage and do grow Ocean road and multiple 200k weeks and i was lucky to get through that little stretch i think
0: yeah right and um what about race day nutrition gels or uh, what are you yeah, doing drinks
1: I, I am. So at Gold Coast, I'm lucky enough to have my own bottles every five kilometres. And for gels, I'm also quite lucky. Um, I'm sponsored by V-Fuel Australia, who take care of that. I stumbled onto them early last year. Their gels have no fructose and they go down quite easy. So I was sold pretty quickly on it. So because I felt I was getting in, trying to get in too many sugars on race day, and it just it flattened me out. Even if I was well hydrated.
0: Yeah, and you'll take those. How many? We have three during the race, or? Yeah,
1: I'll have three, and I'll have one as a backup. Um, I'm still tinkering it. It's funny, even the first Gold Coast I did, the third marathon was. That was only the first time I'd ever had a gel, and it was an emergency gel i think i had it about 39k or something i just had no idea and i think i'm still learning all that now so it's but um so yeah the the nutrition plan's still been refined but i think i'm getting closer
0: it's a funny thing isn't it like especially when you don't have them in half marathons and um you know you don't really have them on the long runs because you're not really going at pace i guess that stimulated run though that you did would have been good that simulation that 26.2k one to practice what it's like at that pace but, yeah you know, and
1: nutrition's weird and, and i think that's why they do it. like the group in america that do all that Like if they're doing new york they'll they'll pick a hilly loop or if they're doing boston they'll have a downhill loop so that simulator is essentially you're practicing you know the race itself is the course the nutrition everything so yeah I, i'm definitely more happy since that run so Mm. and it was only less than two weeks after Groshen Road so I've I've got it back together
0: and if you're doing 200k weeks you didn't really taper going into it
1: no so I I didn't want to do a cool down but my week ends on a Saturday and I think I had 199.7k for the week or something (laughs) so well I, I feel feel crap I, I don't want to do this but yeah i still got out and did the cool down just to tick it over
0: yeah yeah that's the way to do it um and then what about the sponsorship with brooks how did that come about
1: that came about by me um contacting every shoe company known to man i think it was it was um so they've sponsored me since 2014 and they're so easy to deal with and you know, it's, it's been really good um but, yeah, the year before, I think I I contacted seven or eight companies and they were the only one to get back to me and say, sorry, you, you're not in. And I thought, well, I'm just going to keep applying to these guys because they've got that sort of human touch about them. So, yeah, I've been quite, quite lucky, really grateful.
0: You do good things for them, though. Like, you've got a pretty good Facebook page following. And I guess going back to that... Um earlier conversation about how you were kind of in touch with the running community because you've come from the running community not just being an elite runner who's always been at the top that obviously has to help
1: yeah and sometimes it's hard to squeeze that in as well as everything else but um i'm quite happy to do it like um they sponsor the mother's day classic and that a father's day run as well so i just sort of do a blog for them and I'm um I'm quite active in in that thing. I I've not said no to any of their requests to date, so it, it's not too hard to help people out occasionally when you when you need to. So. Yeah,
0: exactly, and especially when it's two way, like they're helping you out. So um, yeah. Oh, definitely. Good it, value given to them.
1: You got to remember where you come from. You you can't bite the hand that feeds you, and yeah. You, you can if you get too too over the top with uh how good you think you are you're not going to last very long
0: yeah well over to that how good um some people are i'd be interested mona obviously you're one of the most successful um australian distance runners ever he must pass on some pretty good insights to you as your coach
1: and yeah and it goes back to the first time i met him um like met him properly everyone's a a fan from a distance, and uh, it's Mono, I can't go off and talk to him. I was much like that, and he's brutally honest. He'll tell me how it is. Like, if he's not happy with something I've done, he'll tell me. He's, he'll tell me I'm an idiot or whatever, and that's it, a great relationship like that. So it's I know what I get from him. And, yeah, obviously his, his record precedes him. It's, it's quite amazing
0: Can to have his help him? and knowledge. Yeah, can you share any of those kind of insights that he's kind of passed on to you that you've really taken on board in the past?
1: It's yeah, it's it's pretty much hard work. <laughs> There's no easy way around it. It's that um the start of last year we sat down and he goes he couldn't believe that I had I'd never run six thousand K in a year, which is you know, he used to hit sort of mid eight eight thousand sort of K a year and he's like well, your goal for this year is 7,000K. If you do that, you're going to be a better runner. It's just simple advice and blunt observation that, you know, he did the same training for 10, 15 years. So there's nothing nothing amazing about what he did. It's just continued to punch it out every day.
0: Yeah. And talk about guys who give back to the sport. Like he's at every event and supporting everything and pretty approachable as well.
1: Oh, yeah, he's he's even collecting tokens at parkrun and on a saturday morning i believe as well so it's yeah he's there's nothing that he he won't say yes to i think i think monday he's doing the big freeze as well at the mcg he's oh, going down he? the slide I, yeah, yeah
0: right i did see a couple of people being nominated for that but i didn't realize he was one of them
1: yeah so he hates ice bars he reckons so this is this yeah. will be interesting. This one
0: will out. Yeah? <laughs> I hope he gets up there in an old school, like, Australian singlet and shorts and stuff back from the north. Yeah, that would be, be fantastic. <laughs> we might have to get monitor up to our park round one. We had a couple of issues this morning with our results. I've been uh, pulling my hair out all morning trying to get them processed. But anyway. Have, they,
1: have they disappeared or did everyone get zeros?
0: <laughs> not, we're not at that stage yet. We've uh, we've contacted our territory director yeah, and um, we're trying to sort it out just a bit of inconsistency in the results and a few people missed so then they're all over the place but um i think we've got all the data there we just have to unjumble it
1: i i um my sister-in-law does park run religiously she'll travel around to all the new ones so i think she's she's gonna head to echuca any week now i think and she goes do you? she comes from shepparton and she yep. said to me one day, "Do you do you know this there's a guy Brady he he turned up he was really fast I think he's faster than you <laughs> and you were in Shepparton one day and ran like 1440 or something like that and she was quite amazed
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that was um that was a couple of years ago I think Shepherdon's had one for a while and we've kind of piggybacked on them because they're only an hour down the road so um yeah yeah we went over there and looked at their event and they do it very well and we've got it started here and um haven't haven't run 14 1450 it was but haven't done that on our course yet can't uh Can't manage to get under 15 minutes on this one, but maybe it's a hometown disadvantage, I'm not sure.
1: Oh, you haven't learned all the shortcuts then, obviously. Oh,
0: I should have run up and down. Well, it's an out and back, so there's nowhere to kind of cut a corner, so (laughs) I might just have to start turning around at the 2K mark, not the 2.5K mark. Yeah, go for it. that's a whole different story. If if um, you're that far ahead. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Apart from the marshal that's at the turnaround, that might be a bit obvious when I never appear there. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but that's all good. Hey, um, my last question I usually ask this one when I finish off is, do you have a mantra or a philosophy or a quote that you live by and kind of play through your head now and then?
1: Yes. I I don't, like many people, uh, view ourselves as very talented runners generally. Um, So I'm always about hard work. If I'm not doing the hard work, someone else is basically. So it just keeps me focused and keeps me getting out and working hard
0: yeah yeah and obviously that goes through your head a bit with those 4am mornings and 200k weeks and a busy full-time worker and dad and community man it's um yeah i take my hat off to what you've been able to do
1: yeah cheers and um it also you just need a good headlamp that's pretty much it for the mornings yeah so (laughs) So you go
0: pretty quick with the headlamp on
1: um yeah i was again my sister-in-law jumped on and said oh yeah i found these good ones that Catman do they had a sale on and they actually market them as running lights so i got one and it's amazing so it was yeah i've been able to punch out some some pretty decent morning runs even i think it was mother's day it was was foggy and raining to the point that i could only see a meter in front of me with the headlamp on and i still averaged sub four minute k's for the run it was just It was scary out there.
0: (laughs) And do you go bush with that on, or do you um, just stick to the roads?
1: Yeah, I've pretty much been just sticking to the roads and gravel trails and haven't done any cross country races. I just just trying to just home in, like, a few injuries last year, and I, I still ran personal best and thought, well, I don't think I've really progressed. So I've just sort of taken a seat back and thought, this is my goal, and, yeah, just chase it like that, so... Yeah.
0: Beautiful, mate. Well, um, I'll be up at the Gold Coast in a couple of weeks. I'm going to pace the lead females. So hopefully you don't see me because if it does, it might indicate that you're having a bad day. Hopefully I'm about five minutes behind you.
1: I was going to say, yeah, but I definitely don't want to see you. Or or you're having a really good day and you thought, you know what, I'm just going to kick on. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think that will be the case. I don't think the body's quite ready for that stuff yet. But um, yeah, it should be good. They always put on a good event up there, and it'd be um, good to catch her on the start line.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I'll always be going back to Gold Coast. It, I think my wife's run seven Gold Coast now, so she wants to become a Gold Coast legend. So you've got to run ten of them. So yeah, we'll be going back for years to come.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the boat I was in. I didn't want to run. Probably not in the shape to run a fast half marathon. And was probably a bit too far to go for a 10k and then yeah brad croker um contacted me about helping him out with a bit of a pace job so i thought this is a perfect opportunity to get up there and get a good training session done and still be a part of the event
1: yeah definitely yeah for sure
0: beautiful mate i better um let you rest up i know weekends are pretty valuable so um enjoy the last couple of weeks of training and i'll see you up in the gold coast
1: yeah thank you thanks for. Uh, have me on your show.
0: No worries, mate. Thanks again for your time. No worries. Cheers, mate. There you go, that was episode number 25 of Tell Me Your Tales. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with John. Really looking forward to seeing how he goes up at the Gold Coast off this massive uh, training block that he's put together and really enjoyed the insight that he shared about that American marathon training plan that he's been following. Um, Yeah, very. I reckon I could sit with John all day and talk about running splits and recovery times and heart rate zones and all that kind of running nerdy kind of stuff but um yeah really do hope that he runs well up at the gold coast he seems to be preparing himself for a solo battle out there on the course and um, isn't leaving any stone unturned he's really having a good crack at this and hopefully he uh can pull it off anyway as i said i hope you enjoyed it if you did i would be stoked if you could go over to itunes on a desktop computer take one and a half minutes to leave a review for this podcast that just means it comes up when more people listen to it and review it it means uh, itunes pretty much see the credibility in it and it comes up in more charts and more um you know searches and things like that so obviously it'd be great for um, as many people as possible to hear this kind of content because i hope yeah you guys are enjoying it enjoying it as much as other people have a good week talk next time cheers Someone.